It's Friday, December 20th, 2019. 87 days into the impeachment saga. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning, I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. So yeah, phase one of the impeachment cinematic universe is a wrap, mostly, kind of. It's weird, I'll tell you how in a second. Later, we're talking to BuzzFeed congressional reporter Addie Baird about the woman of the hour, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. But before we get to that, let's catch up on what happened yesterday. So, as we've said many a time on this show, after the articles of impeachment passes in the House, the action goes to the Senate for a trial. And that's exactly what will happen now that the House has approved two charges against President Donald Trump. Eventually. See, the Senate has yet to agree on the format of the trial, and Republicans, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, clearly want to hurry up and get things started so they can go ahead and acquit the president already. But Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi says that until they work out how the trial will run, they can just wait for the articles. And yeah, for the record, this is wild. Until Wednesday night, the idea that holding up the articles for a while could be used as leverage for making sure the trial is run fairly was a niche. But now it appears to be the House Democrats' new strategy. So while it was pretty widely predicted that senators would want to leave D.C. for the holidays and put off the trial until early January, now the start date is kind of a big old TBD. Senator McConnell basically shrugged when he was asked about the ploy. But the president seems to be getting a little bit twitchy already as the idea of him not getting the chance to defend himself immediately sunk in. He tweeted Thursday night, So after the Democrats gave me no due process in the House, no lawyers, no witnesses, no nothing, they now want to tell the Senate how to run their trial. Actually, they have zero proof of anything. They will never even show up. They want out. I want an immediate trial. And weirdly enough, the point holding everything up is something that both Trump and the Democrats agree on. They want witnesses at the trial. Senate Republicans, though, would prefer to just have the House prosecutors and the defense give their cases, then quickly vote on the charges. If that's how it plays out, after maybe a two-week trial, Trump would almost certainly be acquitted. But Trump reportedly wants spectacle and to see people testifying in his defense live on television. McConnell has been warning the White House that if witnesses are allowed like the president wants, a majority vote would be needed to approve every request. That could mean not having the votes to bring, say, Hunter Biden in, like the president would prefer. Instead, there's a chance that the Democrats get their way with the help of a few Republican votes and acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney and former National Security Advisor John Bolton have to testify. Silly me, thinking that things would somehow relax after Trump was impeached. And now we have our first post-impeachment reading from the Nixometer. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale of zero is a normal day in a normal White House, and 10 is President Richard Nixon resigning and flying away Marine One. This morning we're at an 8.1. Things are in a pretty weird kind of stasis right now, and that's got the president potentially freaking out. We don't know when the trial is starting, we don't know how it will run, and we may not have that all figured out until the new year. 2020 is gonna be wild, y'all. Okay, after the break, we talked to Addie about Speaker Pelosi. Be right back with you. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. 
it's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Everybody, I'm Rachel Benetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Benetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it, odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time for our final installment of this fucking guy for 2019. And our last subject is the guy of the hour in the gender-neutral sense, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Joining us via phone from Capitol Hill in D.C., we have our current reigning champ for number of guest appearances, BuzzFeed News congressional reporter Addie Baird. Welcome back, Addie. Thank you, Hayes. I didn't know that I was the reigning champ. I love winning. Your belt is in the mail. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) Pelosi, she became the first woman to be the Speaker of the House in 2006, lost the gavel in 2010, only to regain it back in 2018. How did she make her way back to the Speaker's chair? Well, Nancy Pelosi never lost her role as the leader of the Democratic Party. She led the Democrats back to taking the House majority. There was an open question, sort of, about who would be Speaker, but that question was answered very quickly, and it was Nancy Pelosi. And she worked along with Democrats across the country to really take back some of these seats in districts that Trump had won. And when the Democrats took back the majority, she took that gavel right back, too. (laughs) So one of the biggest things facing Pelosi when she did take back that gavel has been impeachment and the various feelings about it inside of her very large caucus at this point. What's her strategy been on impeachment since taking that back? So let me begin by saying there is no one in the Democratic Party that wanted impeachment less than Nancy Pelosi. And her strategy, as she has told reporters, 
literally probably a million times this year has been to legislate, investigate, and litigate. And for months, when we would ask her, as more and more members of the Democratic caucus over the course of this year came out in support of impeaching the president, Pelosi would say, we are legislating, we are investigating, and we are litigating. And she really resisted impeachment because she believed that there was not enough evidence that they were in a fact-finding phase, especially before the Ukraine saga started to unravel, she did not believe that the House had evidence of impeachable offenses of high crimes and misdemeanors. So if that's the case, what was it that got Nancy Pelosi to jump over the edge, basically, and say, you know what, impeachment, let's move forward with this inquiry? Once the Ukraine saga started to unravel, very quickly, it was more than half of the caucus. Soon, it was almost every member of the Democratic caucus in the House came out in support of impeachment, and Pelosi couldn't hold that back anymore. She was so concerned for a very long time that supporting impeachment would basically be kissing goodbye to a Democratic majority. And when that officially became untenable was when some of the most moderate members in the caucus came out in support of impeachment. And Pelosi at that point came around and said, if these members who are the most vulnerable, if they want to do it, then I'm on board. How did she manage, though, to keep everyone in line throughout this process? Because on the one hand, you have you know, some of those more moderate Democrats who wanted to keep things very focused on Ukraine. But then you have people who have been trying to impeach him since basically they got to Congress or Trump got to the White House, which was a Republican talking point, but also kind of true. A lot of people wanted impeachment ASAP. So how did Pelosi keep all those factions together? Well, Nancy Pelosi is... How can I answer this in a nice and respectful way? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, Nancy Pelosi is a vindictive politician. People who voted against her when she was up for speaker are in committee Siberia. They they are not on high profile committees. They are not in the roles that they want to have in this Congress. And you face repercussions when you go against her. And she said for a long time that she has never whipped on this issue. It is an issue of conscience. I think that that is technically true, that Democratic leadership has never told members how they should vote, but they don't have to. Um, everybody knew. And so when it came down to narrowing the articles, a lot of progressives and a lot of people who had been calling for impeachment for a really long time were just so glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad you showed up at the party, Madam Speaker. Exactly. And a lot of them said, well, I would like to see emoluments. I would like to see obstruction of justice related to Russia. I would like to see something about the president's history of racism and bigotry. But if we are impeaching the president, We are holding him accountable. If this is what the speaker believes is right, I will respect her and I will follow her. And there was really a sense that everyone trusted her in this moment and they they trusted her to lead them. And now it's done. They did it. So, yeah, they got it done. But in the middle of this, Pelosi said that she wanted to get the renegotiated NAFTA deal that Trump has been pushing for, the USMCA, passed out of the House by the end of the year. Has there been any backlash for that decision? sure if there's been backlash exactly, but there were a lot of questions. This is a perfect example of the really peculiar 
political logic of House Democrats. So in the space of mere hours, House Democrats introduced articles of impeachment and then introduced this trade deal that is so important to the president. And when we started to ask Democrats about it and we asked Nancy Pelosi about it, they all were like, this is ridiculous. Of course, we would do a trade deal for the American people. <laughs> Why should we hold this up? It was very like you couldn't get anyone to be like, yeah, it's weird. How dare you play politics with this very important (laughs) trade policy, they seem to say. Yes, exactly. But, you know, Pelosi denied over and over that there was any connection between the fact that they happened on the same day. She said it was just due to the fact that it was the end of session. And so there was a lot to do. But. The logic of this really is to give these moderate Democrats who were nervous that they could face electoral consequences for impeachment, something to take to their constituents and say, look, we are not just impeaching the president. We are, as they always say, walking and chewing gum, or as I say, uh, walking and giving the president you're impeaching an enormous victory the same day you introduce articles of impeachment. So it's strange, but I actually think that I do understand some of the thinking here, that it is them trying to prove that they can do more than this, which they can and they have, you know, and I don't know if we can really see what kind of backlash there is until the election. I don't know if we're going to be able to tell how much a year from now is about (laughs) a trade deal or even impeachment. So yeah, it's just just odd. What is your thinking or Rather, what's Pelosi's thinking about the percentage between the politics of impeachment and this is the right thing to do? You know, I spend so much of my time trying to get into Nancy Pelosi's brain, (laughs) but I don't live in there. So I can't say for sure. Pelosi publicly says all the time that impeachment has nothing to do with politics. But that's not true, of course. I think all of your listeners know that that's not true. It is an inherently political act. And the articles were passed almost entirely along party lines. This is a partisan political thing. I think that Pelosi understands that really well. That's why she resisted it for a really long time was because she wanted to protect these moderate Democrats in the caucus who hold swingy purple seats. I think that the calculus for her, and and she does say this, that after the Ukraine saga started to unravel, the polling changed and the American people started to, in larger numbers, support impeachment. And she always said that that was important to her, to have the American people on her side. Polling does show that this isn't really hurting Democrats. So that helps. So question then, is part of that calculus the look she gave during the Wednesday night vote when some Democrats started to applaud when the vote came out that, yes, the president has been impeached. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Part of the calculus for her and for other Democrats is that they did not want to impeach. It was very sad and very somber. Um, (laughs) A word we heard a lot on Wednesday. Oh my goodness, everyone was so sad yesterday. (laughs) She does not want this to look at all like House Democrats are giddy to impeach a president. And, And frankly, I don't think they're giddy, but they are happy. And many of them have wanted this for a long 
time. And they, they are proud that it is done. And they are proud to have done what many of them believe that the House is supposed to do in a situation like this. So absolutely part of her calculus is making sure that this caucus doesn't look like, you know, they're thrilled to to impeach President Trump. So now that we're here, the president has been impeached. What's next on Pelosi's plate? Because it sounds like she might actually be holding back on sending over the articles of impeachment to the Senate. Yes, that's basically right. We're in a little bit of an in-between stage. Pelosi has not yet officially sent over the articles. She needs to appoint House managers. And once that happens, the Senate has to begin the trial. But it's a little unclear when that's going to happen. It's a little more complicated than reporters up here kind of were expecting. I think they want to know the scope of the Senate trial before they appoint managers. But, you know, more than anything, I think they just don't want to deal with this over Christmas. (laughs) Amen to that. Okay, Addie, one last thing before we let you go. Let's flash forward a year. It is, you know, just after the 2020 election. What's Nancy Pelosi up to? Nancy Pelosi is either the Speaker of the House heading into yet another term, which would be, uh, many people have talked about it as potentially her last because it would close out with 20 years of her leading the party, which is pretty remarkable. Wow. Or she's uh, the minority leader, and I'm out of the business of predicting elections. (laughs) But what I feel pretty confident in is whether they're in the majority or the minority, Nancy Pelosi is still the leader of the Democratic Party. All right. Well, Addie, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Now go back to reporting on all of the, like, aftermath of this (laughs) insane week. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks, Hayes. Okay, friends, now that we're on the other side and impeachment is a reality, there's been quite a few of you sending us questions about what happens next in the Senate trial. So let's see if we can clarify this crazy process a little bit at least. First up, we got this voice memo from a listener named Rihanna. Hi, Hayes. There's been a lot of talk lately about the senators in the impeachment trial having to swear some sort of an oath to conduct an impartial trial to the best of their ability and that some senators could or should recuse themselves from the trial because they've already demonstrated that they cannot be impartial in this case. And I was wondering, is that a thing? Thanks for that, Rihanna. And this has actually come up quite a lot over the last week as the leaders in the Senate have begun to really duke it out over what the trial looks like. Here's a related question about the Senate trial and recusal from Twitter user at Yep, Another Jen. She wrote, Love the podcast. I had an impeachment question. Is there any consequence that Chief Justice Roberts can or should give to Republicans that aren't even pretending they'll be fair during the Senate trial? McConnell essentially said he'll be coordinating with the White House. As the jury foreman, shouldn't that get him kicked off the jury? Graham has admitted several times that he has no interest in paying attention to the evidence. Why are these guys allowed to be part of a process they are clearly trying to subvert? Okay, this one's a little harder to answer because our legal system is mostly based on precedent. And while this whole thing is pretty much unprecedented, this will only be the third time the Senate has tried a president for impeachment. And impeachment is like half judicial, half super political, and Chief Justice Roberts can't really do much of anything in his role. The section of the Senate rulebook on impeachment does state that the chief justice and the senators each must take an oath to, quote, do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws, end quote. It's right there on page 184. We checked. 
And this is actually a totally new and different oath from the one senators take before they undertake their, you know, legislative duties in which they promise to support and defend the U.S. Constitution and to bear true faith and allegiance to it. So what if a senator can't hold up that oath to do impartial justice? I don't know, Lindsey Graham. Well, there's one case where this happened during the impeachment trial of President Andrew Johnson back in 1868. So basically, Ohio Senator Benjamin Wade was asked to recuse himself. He was the Senate leader pro tem. He was the head of the Senate, basically what we would call the Senate majority leader now. Since Johnson had no vice president, as head of the Senate, Wade was next in line to become the president if Johnson was removed at the time. Folks thought that might, you know, influence him a bit. Also, he was super liberal, and that made some folks a bit scared of the idea that he'd give newly freed slaves too many rights. So the Senate debated whether it was Senator Wade's constitutional right as a member of the Senate to sit in impeachment, citing, you know, Article 1, Section 3. But in the end, Wade was ultimately allowed to vote in the trial. But as we said, it wasn't enough to get Johnson out anyway, which we learned all about on the show earlier this week called Feels Like the Very First Time. And look at that! I got in one more bit of history before history was over. Yay for me! Yay for you. Everyone's a winner with history, except for the clear losers, oppressed minorities. Whew. Anyway, as to whether what the Senate in 1868 voted to do about Wade's recusal could apply to senators in Trump's Senate trial is, well, no one knows. And honestly, a lot will come down to what Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell can convince at least 51 of his 53 members to do. Okay, lastly, we have one more voicemail we wanted to share. It's not really a question about impeachment per se, but I still wanted to address it. Hey, Hayes, this is Josh from North Carolina. I don't necessarily have a logistical question for you. I just have to know how you stay optimistic in these troubling times. I feel so helpless and scared for my future as well as the country's. Cheers. Well... Damn, Josh, I'm not really sure that I do manage to stay optimistic all the time because on this show, we try to deal more with the facts than the hype from the parties. And I gotta say, the facts are really freaking stressful sometimes, man. But I guess what I can say is that maybe it's not about optimism, not like in the little orphan Annie, the sun will always come out tomorrow kind of way. Maybe the way we handle all these feelings of uncertainty and fear and helplessness that we've had to deal with as they become part of the political everything is, I guess, to stay informed, stay stay present, and to remember that even when some of America's institutions can seem just totally out of whack, those institutions are the products of people, people working towards an idea. And of being able to say that even if your ideas aren't mine, we're going to do the best we can for everyone that we can. We've heard about and talked about and yelled a lot about the Constitution over the last few months. And in the pursuit of that more perfect union the Constitution gives us the outline for, it kind of turns out that America as a concept is bigger than any one institution or any one politician or any one moment in history. It's, well, us. America is us, according to the systems that we've built. And as long as we stay engaged and try to hold our government accountable and strengthen those systems as best we can because they only work as well as we let them, then maybe, maybe there's a chance that we can make this all work. Or we're all super fucked and this is our swan song. I don't know. What the hell do I know? Either way, at least we'll all go through it together, right? And that, you know, that too is America. On that note, that is it for this week. And actually, that's it for a while. 
We're going to take a bit of a break for the holidays, but rest assured, we'll be back at you daily in the new year. Well, barring any earth-shattering developments in the impeachment saga, in which case we'll be back with special episodes to make sure you don't miss anything. Also, while we're away, don't hesitate to keep sharing your thoughts about impeachment and how this has all gone down so far. Let us know what's on your mind. Open the Voice Memo app on your phone, record your message, and email it to impeachment at buzzfeed.com. Or just send me a direct message on Twitter. I'm at Hayes Brown, and my DMs are always open. Our show is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Habercheck, and Jacopo Penzo, with editorial assistance from Tom Guerra. Editing by Josh Fisher, Taylor Hosking, and Ryan Kyloff. Julian Weller is our supervising producer. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikader, Nikki Etor, Samantha Hennig, Maggie Schultz, and Ben Smith. Lastly, if you're not already, make sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you frequent to hear my disembodied voice. And uh, please, leave us a rating and a review. It would be a wonderful Christmas present for us. It's the best way to help us teach more people about this wacky, weird, kind of dumb thing called impeachment. So yeah, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out together. Happy Holidays. I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, and I'm doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. <laughs> Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season, now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. 